It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. going on and welcome to episode number 832 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 24th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors as well as on all of your favorite podcast providers. Please consider leaving a rating, review, or a subscription on the Locked On Raptors podcast wherever it is you get your pods. It's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. All right. On today's show, it's a uh, it's a busy one. The Toronto Raptors have made another signing, a very good signing, I think, in Alex Len, the former King, Hawk, and Sun Center, the seven-footer. We're going to talk about him off the top before we are joined by Kevin Weiss, who is one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Tampa Bay Rays podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, to get a bit of a rundown of what Tampa Bay should hold in store for the Raptors as a host city. We talk about the you know the the, the basketball basketball environment in Tampa Bay, what Tampa is going to offer as a host city and, you know, the sports year they've had, which has been kind of insane considering all the success they've had and the signings they've made and the relevance they've had. And we're also going to get into some fun stuff. I quiz Kevin on some Raptors trivia to get him ready for the new team he has in town to, to support and care about. And also we talk about which restaurant is most likely to get the Raptors fat while they're down there in Tampa Bay. Fun conversation overall. And uh, it's a, it's a good one. And Kevin's great. So that's going to come up in just a bit, but Let's first address the Alex Len signing a one-year deal for the remainder of the mid-level exception, so $2.3-ish million. So the, no second-year option or anything like that, like the Aaron Baines or Chris Boucher contracts. Just one year for Alex Len, a bit of a stopgap year, it would seem, for the seven-footer who was the former fifth overall pick back in the 2013 draft. Seems like he's been around forever. He has been around forever, but he's still only 27 years old. And I think this is a really nice pickup. And I don't think it's crazy to suggest that by season's end, we will view Alex Len as being the better player than Aaron Baines. Like Baines, I know, offers a little bit more in the way of three-point shooting. Len has dabbled a little bit. A couple years back, he shot 36% on pretty low volume, just a couple attempts a game for the Hawks. Uh, and that was nice to see, obviously, a good step up for him after not really being much of a three-point threat at all. Similar sort of trajectory to, to Baines, really, where it's only been the last couple of years when three-point shooting has kind of been a necessity for a big man to really get a job in the NBA. I, I think it's been nice to see that turnaround. Whether or not Len can be a great three-point shooter, I don't know. But if he's a willing one, that helps things a lot. And I think his rim protection is, is really underrated as well. You know, he's been on bad teams. He's never really played for a team with a good defense. In fact, he's played for teams with actively horrid defenses a lot of the time in terms of the Suns during their dark phase. His only 
successful season like team wise with the Suns was when he was on that 13 14 team as a rookie he played very sparingly he only averaged two points a game on that team that won I think 48 games and missed the playoffs and then since then they've been in the woods and he has just kind of been there soaking up minutes soaking up time as a big man and not really contributing to anything good in terms of defenses or team success that's not to say that Len is a bad player or a bad anchor for a defense either I think you know, the numbers suggest that he's pretty good as a deterrent. I believe uh, he is sort of near the top in terms of deterring shots at the rim, uh, the exact number. But the number that I that stood up to me is this morning I was combing through the NBA rim protection numbers for last year. And in terms of guys who've defended at least five field goal attempts inside six feet uh, per game over the course of the last season, so just 2018 or 2019-20, he ranked number eight in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim. Uh, behind guys like Brooke Lopez, Anthony Davis, Son Whiteside, I believe, was in there, Rudy Gobert. So pretty good company for Alex Len, even if he's not going to be a mobile dude who can get out and guard the perimeter and sort of use the angles and movement the way Marcus Saul did to kind of cover a ton of ground. He is going to be a pretty nice backstop, and with the perimeter defense the Raptors provide... In terms of Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, the two guards, DeAndre Benbury, assuming he plays quite a bit, Norm Powell. Like, that feels like a pretty good situation to slot Len into. I would imagine they'll play a lot of drop coverage with him. There might be less sort of versatility to the Raptors' defensive attack this year without Gasol and Ibaka. But Len is a backstop at the rim, just as a big dude who can deter shots the way Aaron Baines is really good at as well. I think the Raptors should be a pretty good rim protection team, factoring in the perimeter defense that should sort of insulate those guys quite a bit and limit the number of times they're having to be called into action, basically, uh, as the last line of defense. So I like the pickup for that reason. I think Len is just a pretty talented player who, again, by the end of the season might figure to be the number one center on the team. And even if he doesn't, he offers a really nice luxury to the team as well. We talked yesterday with Joe Wolfond about how the decision to bring back Chris Boucher and sort of have him be the backup five on the death chart, you know, de facto wise behind Aaron Baines. It was a little bit concerning because he's not really a five. He is sort of a, a more of a four. He's kind of a positionally ambiguous energy dude. And it, it was a little unclear as to how the Raptors were going to cobble together that many minutes at the five. Obviously, the Benbury signing helps in terms of freeing up OG Ananobi to slide down to the five a little bit. And I mentioned yesterday, I think they'll be at their best this season when OG plays the five. And I still think that's true. But I do think with Len... You can kind of cobble together those minutes at the five a lot more easily, and you're far more set up to deal with an injury to Baines if his injury history kind of catches up to him once again, or even, you know, a Pascal or an OG goes down. Len being there, it's just a little bit more insurance in terms of minutes that you can definitely have soaked up by dudes at the five. And if you have Len and Baines kind of flip-flop back and forth between starting, maybe Boucher gets some starts here and there depending on matchup. Maybe they start small in some matchups. I don't think they'll be married to a starting five by any means. But if you can cobble together 15 minutes of Len, 15 minutes of Baines, 10 minutes of Boucher, maybe 20 minutes of Baines, whatever it might be, you can get pretty close to that 48 minutes and then really save that small lineup, prevent the, the extreme wear and tear of OG playing center a bunch, and really use it when you most need it in crunch time of game. And so I think more than maybe ever, <laughs> like the starting lineup is not going to matter much this season. 
Len and Baines and Boucher will all get their shots, I'm sure, and that'll be fine. And it really will just sort of make things a little bit easier to go small late in games and preserve OG Ananobi. Or they can stay big and, and finish with Baines, who I assume will be the starter from day one and will be fluid from there. But I, uh, I like the Len pickup a lot. It's a really good pivot that the Raptors have accomplished here, maintaining that 2021 flexibility while getting a couple decent stop gaps to throw in at the position at which stop gaps are the most viable uh, and that you know we've seen around the league is more of a mercenary position than anything else. So I think I am very much on board with the Len signing, and I think going forward, the way the roster is constructed now makes a lot more sense where you can slide Boucher. You have a backup four for Pascal now, uh, which we talked about yesterday. There wasn't really one <laughs> in terms of options that you really wanted to trust just yet on the team, unless you were going to re- get crazy and slide Paul Watson down and play him at the four a little bit and go small. I think the the balance of the roster makes a lot more sense now, and there's still a lot of opportunity for a deal midseason if that is something the Raptors want to pursue, especially considering, you know, now you have an extra big man there and you could afford to package a couple of those bigs or a big and a wing for an upgrade somewhere if somebody does come available down the line. So all around a nice tidy piece of business for the Raptors and the way the depth chart is looking now with a couple of minimum signings to likely happen in terms of Jalen Harris probably getting a two-way this year and then they'll revisit that after this year most likely per our friend Dan Hackett over at Raptors HQ. There, there's that, and then there's all obviously the Terrence Davis guarantee situation to figure out on the 29th. Hopefully they decline it and they just uh, go somewhere else, else with that roster spot, maybe bring it back O'Shea Brissett or whatever it might be. But for the most part, the roster's looking pretty set in stone, and it's, uh, it's a team that's going to compete. And we will continue to dive in further to what the East looks like over the course of the next month. That is the most interesting topic to me in the entire league, basically, outside of the sort of mess of three through eight in the in the Western Conference. One through six in the East is going to be an absolute bloodbath. The Raptors are very much in that mix, and I think the move of Len kind of ensures that, and they'll be there all season long, and they could finish anywhere between one and six, and I would not be surprised. With that, I will leave the talk of Alex Len for now, and we're going to get into the conversation with Kevin Weiss, who again is one of the co-hosts of the excellent Locked on Rays podcast, who joined me uh, very kindly today to talk about Tampa Bay, which we haven't talked about much as the host city for the Raptors. That came down on Friday just before free agency opened, and there has not been much time to address it, so we got into what Tampa's going to offer as a host city with Kevin Weiss. It's a really good time. It's coming up in just a second, but first, I want to tell everybody about BuiltGo.com, which is a place where you can get a wonderful product from our friends over at Built Bar. It is Go. Built Go is great. It's a wonderful way to help break through the wall that we all hit at some point during the day. This week, I'm doing morning radio again, and by the time it gets to like noon after waking up at 5 a.m., I am feeling dead. Built Go helps me get through and power through the rest of my day to get stuff done that I need to get done. It's easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your backpack, your gym bag, your pocket, whatever it might be. It travels with you wherever you need to go. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's the natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking one of those electric green monster energy drinks, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's got three delicious flavors for you as well. Peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. 
And it works super well because it combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, gets into your system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach, and it promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. In addition, Bilt Go is loaded with the good stuff to help ignite your work. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Bilt Go then kicks to keep you going strong with B6, B12 vitamins as well. 10,000% of those daily very important vitamins for you. Right now, you can visit BiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 20% off at BiltGo.com. Let's go. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, now it's time. Myself, Kevin Weiss of Locked On Rays, talking all about the Raptors' temporary home for 2020-2021, Tampa Bay. Enjoy. All right, joining me now to get acquainted with the new home of the Toronto Raptors, Tampa Bay, Florida, is one of the co-hosts of the excellent Locked On Rays podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Kevin Weiss. Kevin, how are you, man? Doing well uh, outside of the breaking news that Charlie Morton has signed with the Atlanta Braves. So a little bit of a buzzkill <laughs> on my birthday, actually. So uh, and the Bucks lost last night, so the, the the last 24 hours haven't been kind to me. Outside of that, I'm I'm ready and prepping for Thanksgiving, so a little little bittersweet there, I guess. Look, uh, I, I'm not going to have any sympathy for Tampa Bay sports heartbreak this year, considering the championship for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the World Series run for the Tampa Bay Rays, the signing of Tom Brady, and now the acquisition of the coolest basketball team in the world, the Toronto Raptors. And I'm, I'm very thankful for you jumping on with me to help uh, kind of get the lay of the land and let people know what Tampa is going to be like as a host city. Uh, I kind of rattled off the successes of Tampa Bay sports so far this year. Has this been the most successful year in Tampa Bay sports history? And where does the Raptors landing in Tampa for the year sort of sit in terms of the city's sports accomplishments in 2020? Yeah, it's really interesting, Sean, because if not for the pandemic, and I guess the Raptors wouldn't be in Tampa if not for the pandemic, but this city was supposed to host WrestleMania. This city was supposed to host uh, NCAA tournament March Madness basketball games. This city, of course, is hosting the Super Bowl this year, but it's going to have a much different feel, uh, assuming that things aren't totally cleared with limited capacity. There's not going to be as much of the hoorah and celebration that we're accustomed to uh, with uh, cities hosting Super Bowls and that sort. So it's definitely been a unique and interesting a sports year for Tampa Bay, like you mentioned, just starting off with uh, the Bucks signing Brady and, and signing some other big name free agents like Gronk and Antonio Brown and, and all those sorts of guys. And then the fact that the Lightning go up to Canada and uh, win the Stanley Cup and, and the Rays getting really, really close to winning the World Series and, and Tampa becoming title town. Um, and then there's a lot of other uh, good things with some of the local colleges and sorts. So this, this just adds to the profile of, of Tampa Bay and, and showing that, you know, maybe someday uh, this can be a four-horse town. Maybe someday this can be a city that hosts not only 
uh, an MLB team, although the Rays, of course, play in St. Petersburg, not necessarily uh, Tampa proper, but the area can can hold an MLB team, an NHL team, an NFL team, and an NBA team. So it, it really is fun from that perspective. And I think, you know, this is the, the time of year in a little bit probably different uh, with the pandemic, but this is snowbird season. This is where all the, the people from Michigan and all the people from Canada and all the people from the North come to Tampa Bay and flock and uh, clutter up our streets and the traffic and everything <laughs> like that. So there is a built-in, I, I believe there's got to be a pretty large built-in following already situated in Tampa for the Raptors. I, I would not be surprised to, to see them get a home welcoming uh, if and when uh, fan attendance is allowed. And as far as where they're going to be playing, Amelie Arena, I mean, that's a place that is very accustomed to hosting basketball tournaments. In fact, I remember I was in college uh, some seven, eight years ago, and the University of South Florida basketball team, that was the year they made uh, the the NCAA tournament a, a rarity. I think the second or third time in their uh, basketball program history that the men's team reached the tournament because their their home facility was being renovated, so they had to play all their home games at Amelie Arena, there uh, then was called Tampa Bay Times Forum, but Amelie Arena. Uh, so this is the, the facility that the Lightning play in can very easily and methodically be transferred into a basketball site. So th- that's something that I think is is helpful for sure for the Raptors, knowing that, and it's also hosted many uh, basketball tournaments and and things of that nature as well. I will say one thing, Sean. I know I'm kind of uh, ranting and raving here, but uh, it's all good. If you, one thing I do notice that may have to become an adjustment is uh, when the Raptors play in Amelie Arena. It's almost like because it is a hockey first facility and the dimensions of the facility, it's almost like you're kind of shooting in outer space uh, if you're shooting three pointers and such and taking shots. <laughs> so uh, that that might be something that the Raptors become accustomed to, and if teams road teams come in for a game and they're not really comfortable with that environment maybe that's kind of a an inefficiency or a home field advantage if you will that the raptors can can learn to to cultivate and grow there so it's, it's definitely been a fun time to be uh in tampa bay and following sports and everything like that and of course i mean the great weather it's it's sunny yeah. <laughs> it's i can go out in in a sleeveless uh shirt and shorts and uh, I think that's something that the Raptors players and that front office and organization is uh, really going to go to appreciate. And, and I'm sure, again, this is just a temporary rental, but they may not want to go home after this and <laughs> seeing how good the weather is uh, November through March or however long they're staying there. Look, don't say that because Raptors fans have a long-standing inferiority complex and are fearful of warm weather locales stealing their players away. So uh, we're not going to put that seed of doubt into Raptors fans' heads right now. But for a one-year hangout, Kyle Lowry can go golf anytime he wants situation. I think it definitely makes some sense, provided everything is safe. Um, You mentioned, uh, first of all, I very much appreciate you getting into the minutia of the shooting sight lines of uh, Emily Arena. Uh, That's a great start. And getting into home court advantages uh, early on, that that is a way, I think, to ingratiate (laughs) Tampa Bay into the hearts of Raptors fans. I do want to ask you about sort of the basketball scene in Tampa Bay and sort of where the 
dividing lines are in terms of fandom. You mentioned there's lots of snowbirds. I would imagine the same as there are, you know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, you watch any game in Tampa or Florida or whatever it is, there's always a ton of Leaf fans at those games on the road just because they're there and they're close by and they're hockey fans and it just makes sense. I would imagine it's probably similar that there are a lot of Raptors fans down there, as you mentioned. But in terms of current NBA basketball, is Tampa a sort of undeclared town? Are they Magic fans? Is it Heat fans? Is it a mix of both? Is it resentment towards Orlando and Miami as like a little brother syndrome with those other Florida cities? What's the situation in terms of basketball fandom in Tampa Bay right now? Yeah, it's really a combination because I don't think we can call ourselves or the city can call itself and lay claim to, uh, you know, we're the hometown team of the Orlando Magic, even though that city is some 60, 70 miles away. And if you go as far into the Tampa Bay area as Lakeland, where the Lakeland Magic, the G League team plays, that's only 30 minutes, you know, 30 miles, 40 miles away from Orlando. So um, I think they're we try to be a magic town. I mean, the, the games are shown here broadcast locally on the regional sports network, but because Tampa is such a transient town with so many transplants, it's really hard to say that because and you know, I think that we we can also be a fair weather city at times. So, you know, back when LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch were playing for the heat, then it was like, Oh, we're a, uh, we're heat fans here. Like we're, we're, we're changing shirts. We're putting on red now instead of blue. Like there's a little bit of that, but I mean, you, you ask 10 people, you might get 10 different answers in Tampa. There's, I I know there's a lot of 76ers fans. There's a lot of New York fans. There's a lot of LA fans, fans from ever everywhere, just sort of like with the baseball scene where, yeah, of course, sure. There's a lot of Rays fans, but you're also going to get a lot of Red Sox fans and a lot of Yankees fans, and a lot of fans from all over. So um, Tampa doesn't really have that, you know, that can lay claim to that, uh, to, to Orlando or the Orlando magic, even though the proximity of the cities is so close because there is sort of a, a built-in rivalry between the two cities and the fact of you've got the university of South Florida and Tampa and UCF university of central Florida in Orlando and their bitter hated rivals. Although nobody else around the country really talks about or acknowledges it. There's the, the war on I four there's, you know, we we've got Bush gardens. They've got, they've got Disney world. We've got multiple pro sports teams. They've only got the magic. Well, I guess they've got, they've got the soccer team too, but uh, I guess Tampa Bay is more known as a professional sports town than Orlando. So there is some, some rivalry there. So this could be a really good opportunity for uh, the Raptors to maybe become that, I don't want to say secondary home, but maybe really draw some, some more rooting interest locally. And I, I'm not sure how they're going to go about uh, broadcasting on radio. And if they're going to try to get some television rights, maybe they're, lo- uh, they're they can be shown on a local mm-hmm. television station. I don't know how that's going to work or how that's going to uh, be fettered out, but it would be really cool to kind of see. I, I'm not, I guess, I don't know what the schedule looks like, but um, it really, it could really be a fun rivalry, I guess, between the Raptors and the magic this year and, and kind of figuring out those allegiances. But yeah, it's really, I mean, it's a mixed bag as far as NBA and, and the fact that there isn't technically an NBA team in Tampa or Tampa Bay makes it really 
difficult to discern that as well as opposed to some of the other professional sports teams but it's definitely a good opportunity for tampa bay to market market itself maybe in the future maybe you know i I don't i'm not really as in tune to the nba scene if they're ever looking at expansion or anything like that but maybe an opportunity to hey this is how we look we can handle ourselves here we we can Mm -hmm. we can host another team another organization we we can we can be an nba town and maybe really kind of endearing themselves there could go a long way, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, that would be a great like poll. If, if maybe one of uh, the local TV stations or, or one of the local newspapers <laughs> could go about, Hey, who's your NBA team? Who do you root for? I love to see the percentage on, on that because I think it'd be, it'd be a really mixed bag as far as that's concerned. Me personally, Sean, I, I watch the magic a lot. I go to a couple magic games a year, even though it's a hike to drive mm-hmm. down I-4 and and to figure all that all that mess out with the traffic and the construction going on. But that's kind of how I've I've stayed into to the NBA is watching the magic games locally and becoming a quasi fan. I'm not I'm not sitting here and, and saying I'm as big of a fan of the magic as I am like the Rays and the Bucks or anything like that. But I I, I kind of follow them. I, I think what kind of hurts Tampa Bay too is there's not in town, there's not like an elite level college or university like USF right. men's basketball has never been great. Uh, the University of Tampa's Division Two, I know they've had success, but it's Division Two basketball. You know, maybe if there was that front and center Division One team, and you could kind of see that track record of guys going from this local team to the NBA, maybe there would be more of a pipeline of NBA fans. But um, it's still, it, it's kind of tough to tell where things are at this point. Well, it sounds like your allegiance is up for grabs, and yes. I look forward to Raptors fan Kevin Weiss. That's going to be a lot of fun. I also, for your sake, really do hope they show the Raptors games locally because you'll get the wonderful broadcast team of Matt Devlin and Jack Armstrong, which is an absolute delight. And you'll also probably get to see some Canadian TV, which is always an interesting uh, adventure as well because our commercials are different, and we have strange products and a strange way of speaking, apparently, and I, that would seem to enrich your television watching experience as well. Uh, Kevin, I got a couple more for you uh, in just a second, but first I want to remind everybody that Locked On NBA has you covered every single day on the NBA and the goings-on across the league, uh, including Monday's episodes with Josh Lloyd featuring three local experts. An excellent, excellent way to kind of recap the weekend and get the lowdown on the biggest stories in the NBA. So go check it out on Locked On NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Kevin. So I got a couple of fun ones for you here. I'm going to quiz you a little bit in terms of your Raptors knowledge and, uh, <laughs> and and get you seasoned up on the stuff you need to know about the Raptors before they make their way down to Tampa uh, in a, like a week's time, apparently. Um, but first, I got to ask you, look. The, the Raptors are going to be living probably out of a hotel room, maybe some sort of large commune, maybe Derek Jeter's mansion. I'm not sure over the course of the next six months or so, barring a return to Canada at the midway point of the season. And 
you know, I think there was a lot of talk during the NBA bubble in Orlando about sort of the, the local food options that some players were, in some cases, getting themselves in trouble in order to eat. Rashawn Holmes of the Sacramento Kings, for example, uh, got himself suspended for a little bit for leaving the bubble to go get some food and had to take a longer quarantine and stuff like that. Um, so my question to you is, Kevin, with the Raptors in Tampa for the year, Say we see a Raptor or two get a little out of shape. Say we see them sort of pack on a few over the course of their time in Tampa. Which local Tampa restaurant will we, we should be most placed blame against as potentially being the culprit for beefing up the Toronto Raptors over the course of this season? What is going to be the regular haunt on Uber Eats or whatever it is for the Raptors as they uh, spend their year in Tampa? Great question. And there's only one place. It's called Burn Steakhouse, B-E-R-N apostrophe s and it is kind of like it is the place to go it is your your birthday meal it is your once a year meal a little pricey but nba players can afford it what separates burns from your run-of-the-mill steakhouse is a couple things if you're actually going in and dining inside it's got like a real kind of eclectic gothic dark look to it but um besides the the steaks, which are delicious. And actually, I mean, you can kind of play it right and, and make it somewhat affordable, but uh, the wine cellar, I think they, they claim they have the world's largest wine cellar. They've got some 6,800 different varieties. They actually even do like tours of it while you're dining in the restaurant. Like you can tour the wine cellar and, and they've got, I guess it's what called a sommelier who kind of explains all the, the different selections and things like that. It's a really big deal. They also have um, a one of a kind dessert room, which I, if I recall the last time I went there, it's been a couple of years, but I want to say it's on the second floor, but it's an entire room. The entire space is dedicated to, to desserts. And there's like a hundred desserts to choose from all these special uh, fancy coffees and such. And the way you order the dessert, they've actually got these like old fashioned phones that you dial into and you call, <laughs> I guess your waiter or waitress and make your order. So it's, it's definitely, as far as the experience, quote unquote, um, not only is it great food, great drinks, great desserts, but the experience is also something that's special as well. Now, in, in addition to Burns, I will say Tampa, also known for Cuban sandwiches. You go to any kind of local spot, you can find yourself a good Cuban sandwich. Um, and of course, I think, Sean, the other thing that the the players have to watch out for is cigars because we are known as the cigar <laughs> city and some some craft brews and things like that. Also big craft brewery scene. But uh, every, every corner, there's a cigar shop or a cigar lounge. So maybe you have to be careful on that. Maybe only... Every once in a while, maybe after celebrating the, the NBA championship, can you indulge on a cigar? Because I don't know if you want to be running up and down the floor at Amelie Arena. You know, you don't want to be doing the Michael Jordan necessarily. There's not many guys that can <laughs> puff a cigar uh, before and after every game and still perform uh, up to up to their peak there. So that's kind of my rundown of of what Tampa has to offer. It's kind of like the like when. NFL teams and organizations go to the combine in Indianapolis. Everybody uh -huh. talks about going to St. Elmo's steakhouse. Right. Uh, it's kind of like that in Tampa. So that that's the place to go. If you ever have a chance. 
Well, that is uh, that's good to know. It's it's good to direct the hate mail to to Burns' Steakhouse in the event that uh, some lap- Raptors are lethargic and steak filled during any of their games. That's good to know. Uh, all right, Kevin. I need to quiz you now on your new NBA basketball team, your new favorite team, because let's be honest, the Orlando Magic suck and are depressing, and the Raptors are not that, and they beat the Magic all the time in the playoffs and not in the playoffs, whatever it might be, and they are quite good. So let's quiz you up on your new favorite basketball team. I got five questions for you. Let's see how you do here, Uh, and we'll begin with this one, Kevin. How many seasons in a row have the Toronto Raptors won 50 or more games? Oh, man, I I should just take my F now because I am going to I I see a lot of negative reviews coming my way. I'm going to say five. Five is the correct answer. Good job, Kevin. One for one. They they won 56, 51, 59, 58 and 53 last year in the shortened season. Actually, their best win percentage in that time was last season. So uh, you got that one. You're one for one. Good start. Question number two. Who was the first ever draft pick in the history of the Raptors back in 1995? Oh, my gosh. Man, I do not. By the way, I'm not trying to cheat and trying to search as I'm stalling here. Okay, this guess is totally incorrect, but I'm just going to say Vince Carter. Vince Carter is incorrect. Uh, He was a few years into the franchise. It was Damon Stoudemire who was the first overall pick. Mighty Mouse won Rookie of the Year in the 95-96 season and then was gone in two and a half years because the Raptors back then were horribly run. Uh, We go on to question number three. Who is the all-time leading point scorer in Toronto Raptors history? Um, I I guess I'll go back to the well one more time and go with Vince Carter. Also incorrect, wasn't around quite long enough, DeMar DeRozan is the all-time points uh, leader for the Raptors after his nine seasons with the team. So you're uh, one for three. You still have a chance to uh, to go over 500 here. And uh, let's, uh, let's continue on. How many times have the Toronto Raptors made it to the conference finals? Conference finals in their entire history, I will say... 25 years. Hmm. I will say three times. Three times is incorrect, unfortunately. They made the conference finals for the first time back in 2015-16 when they lost to the Cavs in six, and then they obviously made it to the conference finals last year when they won the title, or I guess 2018-19 when they won the title and beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, all right, so you're one of four. That's okay. You're learning. It's fine. You will, you'll, you'll, you'll make your way, and this is all uh, now ammunition for you the next time you uh, you talk to a Tampa Bay yite. What's the net? Well, yeah, what's the the demonym for uh, oh. people? <laughs> in yeah. Tampa? Well, I guess it's technically a Tampin. A tampon. Okay, yeah. that sounds terrible. Yes, it is. T-A-M-P-A-N. Tampon. That's that's all we got. That's all we got. It's not I'm great. I'm telling you, there. there's got to be a better. There, there's got to be a better one out there. We'll workshop it this year for sure. Uh, all right, my last one for you, Kevin. What is the name of the Toronto Raptors mascot? Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I assume it's not Raptor because that would be too too simple um okay this is really bad and totally just a swing and miss on my part but i'll say i'll say rappy the raptor 
Oh no! It is just the raptor. Uh, oh. Had you dropped the rappy part, you would have had it exactly. Um, yeah, they, they they went simple. They went classic. I'm really excited for uh, Tampa, but Bayites. Uh, I'm coming up with something new. <laughs> yeah, any, anything but... else? We'll, we'll take suggestions. <laughs> this is this is an open uh, dialogue here because I think somebody just on a whim decided to to throw that out one, and we've been trying to kind of shade ourselves from that ever since mm-hmm. but either way i'm very excited for people in tampa bay to get acquainted with the raptor the best mascot in sports uh very 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 good mascot and uh he, he should be uh, a great addition he's been the same guy since day one of the franchise as well which is uh not easy to do kevin thank you for uh submitting yourself to embarrassment in this final part of the podcast i very much appreciate you being a good sport but now you know all these fun facts to use in conversation going forward uh with that i think that's going to bring us to the end do you have anything you would like to promote kevin well sean thank you again i would like to say that uh yes i've got a lot to learn and if i if there's not a way to get Raptors games on local television or radio, maybe that means I just have to start going to games or there's also something I could uh, use some creativity and, and I'll send you a wink, wink, nudge, nudge stream. Thank you. I appreciate that. The other thing too, (laughs) is Drake going to come to Tampa and and attend the home games? Like what's the, what's the latest on Drake? I mean, there's plenty of mansions on Davis islands and the Harbor and everything like that. Like he can, he can find a spot if he wants to, you know, maybe I think Tom Brady, Derek Jeter might have a room for him to stay if, if need be. So <laughs> I, I would really like to see some Drake in Tampa, but that's just me speaking. He is uh, a polarizing figure up here. I, I think he's done unquestionably good work as like the quote unquote global ambassador for the team. Sometimes he's embarrassing, but also sometimes uh, in a in an enormous playoff game, for example, he will clap in the ear of one Rodney Stuckey and force him to turn it over. And the Raptors end up winning a very pivotal game five against Indy. Uh, that's just some of the things Drake does. Uh, and you, you, I'm sure, will get acquainted with those things. Go, go by, uh, by the way, go watch game five of the first round against the Pacers back in 2015-16 to get a, a real look at what playoff Raptors basketball is like. By the seat of your pants, just nervous all the time, and uh, often featuring Norman Powell doing insane things. So uh, that's what I have for you. Kevin, thank you so much. Go listen to Locked on Rays right now. Uh, if you are a baseball fan, you and Ulysses do a fantastic job with that show, and I, I, uh, I highly recommend if, if people are going to adopt the Tampa Bay Rays, if by any chance, uh, as their baseball team this year, I know you're all Blue Jays fans, of course, and the Rays are to be despised more often than not, but Kevin and Ulysses are acceptable Rays fans who do a wonderful job covering that team. So I highly recommend you go and check it out. That'll do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to Rate and Review wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on tomorrow's show, and likely as a two-parter tomorrow and Thursday, is going to be the Serge Ibaka Moments with the Toronto Raptors Fantasy Draft with myself, Katie Heindel, and Vivek Jacob. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stick around for that Wednesday and probably Thursday. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.